0: Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A. We respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, religion, and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. G'day, people. My name is Will Moala. I'm the pastor of the Paravista and Seven Day Adventist Churches in South Australia. I want to thank you for joining our live show today and I'm so excited because we get to introduce today's uh, topic not only today's topic but actually this week's theme. And our brand new theme as we kick off kick off our week today is beyond the grave, the passing of death. It's going to be a uh it's a show we're going to take a deep dive into this concept of death. And uh I can't wait for the rest of our team to unpack uh the various topics um that are that are connected to our theme. But uh before I give you more information later on in the program about that, I want to introduce um my co host who's in the studio with me. Uh we haven't worked together uh in the studio, Brendan. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet, but um today is our first today time. And day. um actually I met my good brother here um Few years back when, uh, we first, uh, when, um, my wife and I, my three year old, we first arrived into South Australia to work here. And so, um, to our listeners, my courage today is Brenton, uh, Wilkinson. So for those who may not know who Brenton is, um, Brennan serves. He's the former minister of the Southeast uh, Seventh Adventist Churches uh, in uh, South Australia, and he previously was overseeing Mount Gambier Church, Naracoorte Church, Rendlesham, and Millicent Adventist Churches. And so, in some ways, he tells me he's retired, but. um there's no such thing as a retired pastor is there brendan <laughs> no it's spelled r e t y r e d right yeah. hey so Brendan I'm so glad that you're able to um, be here in the Thanks, studio Will. with me yeah and um looking forward to um our topic today and so um if I know we have regular um, listeners who are faithful listeners of our Drive Time program, but if you just happen to have just switched on and you're listening for the first time, I just want to let you know that here on Faith FM, we are actually a Christian radio network. And our theme is that we provide positive, positively different lifestyle and spiritual radio programs. And so uh, we thank you for tuning in. Uh, Faith FM, we are a proud affiliate of AWR, which is the Adventist World Radio and, uh, we, Faith FM also is a ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Australia. So if you want to know more about, um, Seventh-day Adventist Church, go to adventist.org.au or more about Adventist World Radio, go to awr.org. Um, actually, I just was, um, had a few minutes up my sleeve today, Brennan. Um, Did you know, Brennan, and this is actually really encouraging to me (laughs) as well, I I went online to faithfm.com.au. We have over, I was just counting it as I was scrolling, actually, on the the front, you know, the landing page. We have over 100 programs. um, Over 100? 100. um, All across um, our you know, Faith FM Ministry across yes. Australia So obviously we're here live in the studio Here in South Australia But we have our team spread all across the country yes. And I was just looking at all of these programs And I was like wow And uh, we know that we have listeners Listening in from local They can be here in the Adelaide region They could be tuning in from Western Australia And everywhere in between And so we're so blessed to um, be able to share with you Our listeners um, each and every day and every week And so Whoever you are, whether you're a long time listener or you're brand new to the show today, we want to welcome you and we hope that you will have a wonderful time with us. Uh, so as we normally do, um, I, we spend a few minutes in what we call our world watch segment. This is a little few minutes in our program at the top of the hour where we share something relevant, uh, something that's kind of happening out there in the, in the marketplace, so to speak. So in line, uh, Brenton with our topic today. Yes. Um, actually i haven 't even introduced our topic i 've talked about our theme, so let me let me go back in just a sec. Our theme for today and the rest of the week, our team will be looking at the theme beyond the grave, the passing of death, yes, but Brennan, you and I are going to be talking about the question how does a pastor view death mm. and so we're going to probably share a you know a couple of stories and, you know in our experience, we're not going to share everything that. Um, that there is to this topic, but you know, as pastors, as we were just sharing, Brenton, uh, offline, be- off air before we went on, you know, we conducting funeral services is part of what we do as as pastors. It and so, is indeed. So we, I can't wait. I know you already sharing a little bit with me off air about uh, a couple of the stories you are going to share. And I, I'm mm-hmm. sure that our our listeners are going to benefit um, greatly from what you have to share. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So our World Watch segment article is, um, it's entitled, Can Death on the Screen Feel the Same as the Real One? Now, this is an article off um, the conversation.com uh, website there. And uh, what I'd like to do, Brent, is I'm just going to basically read the article. Sure. And then um, maybe, yeah, let's have a little chat about it. And um, Because we are talking about this idea of death. And uh, look, even when we said it, it's not something that people just like to talk about around a coffee table. But it is a big part of our lives. And yes. eventually one day we are going to, you know, succumb to to death. And we may know people and certainly in our role as pastors, we conduct funerals quite regularly. So let me get jump into the article. So here we go. So the title of the article is, um, just pull it up right here. It is, Can Death on the Screen Feel the Same as the Quite Real One? Now, this was published just uh, last month in April Um And so the article is by Sarah Whalen. She's the Associate Professor, University of New England. And so the article begins by saying, Death is a part of life, an adage usually reserved for those who physically exist in our lives, family, friends, colleagues, acquaintances. So what happens when a profound death experience happens on the screen? Is that still a legitimate experience of mourning? This week, the popular TV show Succession, had a significant quote on-screen death where even the cast filming the scene spoke as if the response to the trauma had a very real feeling. In the same way as the cast, social media reactions to the sudden and unexpected death of a person with a complex character after four seasons of growing to understand them can feel like the death of someone you actually know. The research behind this phenomenon can be found as far back as the 1970s when early understandings around the death of a main character on children's television served to provide real-world insight into the irreversibility of death as a universal experience. Over time, as popular culture and television became more nuanced, the diversity of the ways in which death occurred in fictional programs began to replicate the complexity of real loss in our lives. Yes. Via television, we get access to catastrophic loss, multiple casualty events loss after significant illness, as well as seeing how death impacts the people left behind. In the most recent episode of Succession, we also see what happens when a death occurs involving a person where their character or relationship to others is strained. We see ways in which grief is not always a byproduct of love. Now, Goes on to the next bit in the article. I might stop after there's a little bit there that we were chatting about, Brendan, off air about this particular yeah. TV show. I think yeah. we'll get to that bit, and I'd love to uh, sure. give me your thoughts on it. Sure. Uh, and so the article says, why does this grief feel real from an armchair perspective? Uh, the article goes on to say, death on screen can also act as a trigger or a reminder of the losses we have endured. Yes. When a show realistically portrays grief in its purest form... The emotive or reflective reaction can unlock our own grief. Engaging with the small screen is an overt act of escapism, often for entertainment. We might be switching on a program with the intention of relaxation only to be met with trauma and sadness. When a sudden loss is brought into our lounge rooms or via the devices on our, on our laps, we experience shock, confusion and anger about the abruptness of an event. Just like the feelings we can experience when loss happens suddenly in our lives. Actually, let me just scroll to that. Here it is. This is the part we were chatting a a bit off off air about. Um, It goes a few paragraphs later. It says in 1985... Going back a bit. Wow. Australian viewers lived through the death of Molly from a country practice. Yes, I remember that. Where the that. final image of a mother's end stage cancer diagnosis played out while watching her daughter fly Okay, So,
1: Brenton, you said to me off air... That you actually vividly remember watching this. I do remember watching it because I think half of Australia were probably watching it at the time. Right. I think I mentioned to you, um, also off air that in 1986, they did a survey as to who was the most popular person in Australia. And it was the Prime Minister of the day, Bob Hawke, closely followed by two of the main actors from a country practice, not, wow. the, not the one that was deceased. Uh, Molly was played by a woman by the name of Antenny, T-E-N-N-E-Y. Yep. For some of our listeners who are listening, they would remember this. She died of leukaemia and she was actually watching. She was out uh, from memory in a bed or a sofa or whatever you want to call it, lie uh, low or whatever, um propped up on pillows watching her daughter play and she passed away at that particular wow. point in time. Now... <coughs> Much of Australia, it seemed, was traumatised by losing Molly because she was a very well-loved actor. She was an environmentalist in the show. Her husband was uh, her on-screen husband. And here's something interesting. Her on-screen husband was Shane Worthington, and Shane Worthington and her actually married in real life wow. after the show. So we won't go into the life after death. But <laughs> it's going a bit far for today, right. isn't it? But, but basically, yeah, it, it, it's had the effect of almost traumatizing a yeah. significant number of people in, in Australia who watched this show because, um, a country practice went from 1982, I think, to 1993. So it was about 12 years. Right. It was one of the longest-running shows on Australian TV. Yeah. And the, the bottom line in all of this is basically how people related to the character, related to her death, yeah. and how it almost became vicarious in the yeah. sense that they could feel the grief, feel the loss, even though it was only being portrayed on the screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Brendan, um, I'll just skip right to the end here, and then we'll
0: sure. maybe see if there's yeah. something we can pull out of the article. It says The article uh, says right at the end here, and we kind of skipped a bit, but um, we did. But I think we got matter. the basic uh, gist of the article, but it says here right at the bottom, we engage in a social contract, according to the article writer, we engage in a social contract when we connect to a TV show. We expect to be removed from our real life and engage in the viewing of other spaces. Death in those spaces and the reactions to that loss can feel as if
1: they break that contract. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yes, it's interesting. And I would agree with it to a degree. As I, as I just said, um, you had a country practice. You mentioned succession earlier on. I looked right. at series four, uh, number three. Now, the one of the main characters there is the patriarch of the family by the name of Logan. Okay. Now, Logan dies on an aeroplane somewhere between the United States and Sweden. He's going to do a business deal or something or other. And his sons get the news and it's something like, has he gone? Yeah. Yeah, he has. Are you sure? Yeah, he has. And it's, it's almost the, re, the reaction of this particular son is almost sterilized. It's, it's not an outpouring of grief or anything like that. Uh, those who are watchers of succession could probably, um, update me on some of this stuff, but yeah. we actually have an Adelaide girl, Sarah Snook who's actually one of the the main actresses in the show. But (laughs) bringing all of that together, basically you can feel, if you get so engrossed in it, you can feel as though when someone dies or something like that happens, you can feel as though that contract has been broken. But the question I'd like to put for people to think about and for ourselves to think about is how how do you divorce... Screen stuff like this from reality, yeah. Because you and I are going to talk in a minute about funerals, funerals we've conducted, uh, the sense of what we've done, uh, the sense of how we felt, the sense of how they felt. Yes. How how do you um, put all of those things together? Yeah. Um, if you're an avid watcher of TV or of Stan or or yes. Netflix or whatever, and you're watching all of this type of stuff, I'm wondering whether what you see on screen can blend in with with real life to a degree that it can partially desensitize you yeah. to the reality right. of when something does happen yeah. and i think that's a bigger conversation even though the article was talking about oh, it's much bigger you know what, what happens when people
0: yeah. die mm. i think it's much a probably a, a broader conversation about yes. whatever they're uh, showing on on the screen it's going to impact you it's going to Affect you, I guess, in a sense, even like if you watched, um, you know, a violent, you know, violent act on on TV or, or, you know, crimes and murders and all this type of thing. And this is why as Christians, we're, you know, kind of counseled to just be weary, you know, be very uh, vigilant of what we're exposing ourselves to. Because you know, there's that principle in Second Corinthians three, Paul says, you know, by beholding we become changed. Agree. So I think mm-hmm. I think even though the article was very uh specific on this idea of hey, when you watch this online character, this person that you've come to really seemingly like you have some type of relationship with in some vicarious way.
1: Or you might hate them. Either way, either emotion is interesting because yep. when they die, if you hate them, you, you're cheering. Yep. And if you love them, you're crying. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it, it really plays with your emotions, doesn't it? That's
0: right. Mm. So um, so that was our watch article. And mm. um, obviously that we could explore that um, some of those um, themes that come off that article uh, at length, but we're going to have to pause there on the articles because we we have a topic that we want to get into. So what we're going to do, Brandon, we're going to go to a break, but before we do that, we want to um, promote our free book offer today, yes. and we'll promote it right now, and we'll promote it um, as well a little later in the show. Our free book offer that we'd like to um, give to you, our listeners, is the book called The First Lie by author Barbara Weimer, and so... This book by this particular author, Barbara, she has a very interesting story, um, uh, Brendan. That she actually she, does. she speaks from her own pain mm. and uh, where she actually um, actually lost someone very close to her. She actually lost her daughter, daughter. I think. Yeah, yeah. daughter. Mm. So um, it says that the what led to Barbara Wimmer's journey through the scriptures about this idea of death and all these things that we're going to talk about today in the rest of this week is. Um, Few years back, she actually lost her daughter uh, in a college dorm fire, and that's really what led to, but uh, I guess Barbara, you know, looking at the scriptures, seeing if she could find hope when it talks about this idea of death. And so, we want to give this to you, our listeners, um, as a free gift from us to you. So, if you would like a free copy of the book, the first lie. Look, it's actually if you want to get this uh, by yourself and, and purchase it online, you're looking at some 20, 25 bucks. So hey this is this is totally free we want to give to you if you'd like to receive a free copy please text our code word for today is sa119 you need to text the code word sa119 to our number here in the studio Uh eight eight zero eight double one we'll promote that one more time sa119 text the code to zero four triple eight. 80811 and our friendly bot will get in touch with you get your details and we'll get that book out to you as soon as we can so please don't go away uh, when we come back from our break we're going to dive right into our topic about how does pastors or how does a pastor view death you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A
2: and did my Savior bleed did my Sovereign died. Would he devote That sacred head someone Such as I At the cross
0: was at the cross by Anna Weatherup. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, BQ&A with myself, Will, and Brenton here in the studio. We're coming live from our studio here in South Australia. If you're just tuning us, uh, our theme for this week is Beyond the Grave, the Passing of Death. And uh, today, Brenton and I, we're going to be looking at the particular question, how does a pastor view death? And so, Brenton, um you know, this is a very, I guess in some ways, a sensitive topic because sure. um, we get to um, minister to the, I guess, the, the families of loved ones who have passed, mm-hmm. both church folks and people in our community. Yeah. So walk us through, uh, Brenton, um, because I guess what the question is really, it's it's a bit, um, it's kind of talking to, to clergy, how do yeah. pastors. So yeah. I guess in one sense there is a <clears throat> I guess, a religious, I guess, a theological answer. Yes, we have a framework yes, of how we yep. see this. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also, there's, uh, there's stories, there's people that we've met along the way, oh, yes. heartbreaking stories, yes. um, elderly folks who die, younger folks who die, and all, everything in between. So, so Brendan, why don't you start us off, walk us through um, this idea. How, how, do, how do you view death um, as a pastor, as a man of faith, as as a as a man who follows the Lord Jesus, and how do you kind of how have you dealt with this um, in your journey
1: personally, sure, and uh, professionally sure. as well? Sure, um, I'm going to give a couple of examples, if that's okay. Sure, um, will the examples I'm going to give on air are based on funerals that I have conducted over the last uh, 13 years or so of ministry. Uh, I will not use names. Uh, I may use locations, but that's all I will use. Yeah. Uh, when you say, "How does a pastor view death?" Most people, I guess, will—well, your church members would yeah. be thinking the minister's got it all together. He knows what it's all about. He's—he's yeah. uh, he's got the scripture to back him up and all the rest of it. What people need to remember is the minister is also a human being. Yeah, he also has feelings. And uh, those feelings uh, one has to sometimes not suppress so much but put them in the background when you're trying to deal with people who in some cases are completely traumatized. Uh, yeah. The first example I want to use, and I'll be as um, succinct as I can with these examples, I and my wife, in a, in previous ministry here in Adelaide, I used to do chaplaincy work, and I was asked to go and visit this um, young man, four years of age, who had uh, been praying with his cousins. He was an indigenous lad, and uh, a door had fallen on him and crushed his skull. Oh, uh, when I went there on the Monday, my wife went there with me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, no change in his condition at all. We met his parents. We met some of the family. And on Friday, the doctors said to me, we're going to have to break the news to them that we're going to turn off the life support because there is no evidence of brain activity at all. Uh, wow. Just think of it, a four-year-old. Uh, I was actually asked to conduct the funeral and I did it with um, one of the other ministers here in South Australia and uh, also a minister who formerly was here in South Australia. We conducted the funeral service up at Kuba I must be be honest that this had a fairly strong effect on me, not just driving eight and a half hours yeah. up to Cooper Pedy to conduct the funeral, but <clears throat> the people that we were ministering to did not have a strong faith in God. One yeah. of the things I have noticed, and you probably have too, a person who has a strong faith in God, it is... <clears throat> In one sense, it's easier to minister to them because they have, shall we say, say the same religious um, underpinnings. Uh, They believe the word of God. They believe in the resurrection. They believe they'll see their loved one again and all of those things. Uh, On the other hand, a person with a really strong faith sometimes can say, well, why did God allow this in the first place? Particularly if the death is a sudden death. Uh, In this particular case, it was a sudden death. Uh, the family, I haven't been in contact with them for a little while, but um, I believe that the uh, minister up in uh, Cooper pedi at the moment is working with them yeah. where we're hoping that they'll find their way back to the Lord. But I can remember the weeping and the wailing and that sort of thing at the funeral. It, it, it was tragic. It it impacted me to the degree that when I left, I, I really didn't want to talk to anybody about it. Uh, yeah. I just wanted whole thing to sort of settle down because I understand uh, the grief process with Indigenous folk and um, yeah it, it, it had a fairly significant effect yeah. on me. A second example was also a, a, a little girl who lived for two hours Wow Two hours. I'm still in contact with her mother who rings me from time to time Um. How do you, Minister, when you've got a a coffin about the size of this A4 sheet of paper and you're burying this little girl in the, um, the funeral plot over at Point Maclay on York Peninsula? Uh, what do you say? <laughs> the question is, how, how does a minister view death? Well, you know what, at times like that, it's not a. It's certainly not a case, Will, of saying, I understand how you feel, because you don't. I don't believe personally one should ever say to, and I've been guilty of it, and you may have yeah. too, at times. Inadvertently, it comes out sometimes. But I don't think we should say to a grieving loved one or loved ones, I understand how you feel. Yeah. If you've been through a similar process yourself, let's say the person died of cancer and they suffered terribly and you've had a loved one die of cancer who suffered terribly. Yes, there is some degree of empathy there, but you don't know exactly how they feel. Yeah. You can empathize with them to a certain level. Sometimes the best thing uh, for a minister is to just be there. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I have been and visited with people who are grieving and uh, knocked on the door and went in and said, hello, just let you know that I've come to see how you're doing. And sometimes I've sat there for half an hour and they've said virtually nothing. Yeah. Now, (laughs) it reminds you a little bit of the grief of Job. You remember when his three friends came along and spent seven days sitting on the ash heap with him because in their culture it was um, it was the person who was suffering that was supposed to speak first before anybody else said their their bit. Um, another person whose funeral I conducted was at Port Augusta. Now he was a young lady who had a <coughs> a growth on the uh, trachea. And two of the three specialists in the Royal Adelaide Hospital refused to operate. They said it was too risky and they believed that um, she would pass away anyway. When I was asked to go and visit with her, I was told she had two days to live. I can still remember when I walked into the hospital room in the Royal Adelaide Hospital, she was like a rabbit in a spotlight. I've never, will, seen anybody so scared as this young lady. And we were to minister to her. We were to pray with her. We did pray with her. We prayed for her. We prayed that God would heal her. The third doctor was away on holidays, and uh, he came back a few days later and said, I'll do the operation. The operation was successful, and I was just starting to get to know her as a person. She was talking about her family. We were sharing uh, some family things and so on and so forth. And then she got pneumonia and passed away very quickly. Yeah. Now, that funeral was conducted up in the largest church up in Port Augusta with a number of other ministers in attendance as well. What um, I would take from that, and it relates to how does, a, how does a minister view death, is after the funeral service, we went out to... Sterling North Cemetery, and I did the graveside service there. And on the way back, I heard this voice say, Pastor, can I speak to you? And I said, Yes. And he said, My name's Desmond. And uh, he said, I just wanted to let you know that what you said about this young lady was true. And I said, Well, <laughs> well I said a lot of things. What, what point particularly are you trying to make? He said, You said that you believed that she'd given her heart to Jesus. He said she had. She rang me last night, um, the the night or one or two nights before she passed away. She said, Desmond, I've given my heart to the Lord. Well, you know what? (laughs) How does the minister relate to funeral? (laughs) I said to him, I will travel back to Adelaide on air. I won't be riding in the car, I'll be traveling on air because, hallelujah, someone has given their heart to the Lord before death. And I conducted a funeral recently at Uten and with exactly the same right. outcome. So then you have people, uh, older folk, who have loved the Lord, lived long and good lives. And I, I sometimes think, Will, it's a bit like what it says in Scripture about Job. So Job died an old man and full of years. Yeah. Uh, in other words, he's, he's had a good inning, yeah, as we would a good, say yeah. in cricket. And uh, I think they're, um, they're, they're some of my... Um, Uh, Reminiscings on uh, how does a minister view um, death. Yes, we are there to share the good news of the the return of Jesus with the family and friends. But you and I, I'm sure, have conducted funerals where those who are grieving do not believe in the resurrection. They do not believe in God for them. That's the end. Yeah. How do you handle those situations? How do you share with people like that and help them to realize that we do have a hope? We do have yeah. uh, something to look forward to, which they can also have if yep. they accept Jesus. And, and, I don't know how it is yeah. for you, but,
0: yeah. <clears throat> you know, you were talking, because you are going into the idea of, you know, how, I guess, how we see the scriptures. Yes. And how a Christian looks at death, I guess, I guess in a different way than say, you know, a person who has no faith. Now, yes. not to say that the person who has no faith just has, they just have a totally dark picture because, mm. you know, mm. as we know, this, people try to find meaning in death in mm. various ways outside they of scripture. They do. They do. Yeah. I, I guess for me, uh, Brendan, before we kind of jump into, um, I guess I think, I guess more personally, you know, because I'm of Pacific Island background yes, and yes, in my Tongan yes, culture, yes. I guess, uh funerals are a very big part of oh, how we be, how we be. live our lives i'm yeah. mm. um, actually quite i'm thinking of my my own grandmother um Vahoy, when she passed away in sydney back in uh, 2009 yes and um it was a very it was a very big funeral i had you know relatives and cousins and from all across um sydney and across the country and you know even from overseas um, we have, is a lot of, there's a lot of cultural aspects. Mm. We wear black during our uh, funerals. We have certain protocols in how the, the meet how the funeral runs. So it's not just yep. the service. There's mm-hmm. a wake before it. There's, yep. there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. And then there's, um, then we wear these Tongan mats, the Tawala that we wear. It's a sign of respect. And, and the immediate family, they have their own, uh, mats that they wear. So you can kind of almost, if you walk to a Tongan funeral, you could see who is the immediate family by, just by what they have on. By, by what they're yeah. dressed
1: in. Yeah. So uh.
0: I guess for me, there's a personal aspect where I've seen it close at hand within my family. Mm. And I think when I look at it professionally as a, I guess, uh, since I've entered the ministry, um, yeah, there's some mixed emotions, I think. Because it is. like it you were is. saying, uh, yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head, Brennan. There's, <laughs> when you, you're burying one of your own church members, it's... Uh, Is almost a positive, um, it's a celebration almost. Yes, yes. Where, where we talk about the blessed hope and we talk about this person died a believer, then, um, and then you have, you know, services where the person left, you know, um, you know, very quickly. And so I think for me, there is the personal aspect, um, There is a sense in which a big part of it is when you're visiting the family. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a big part of, um, just really getting to know the person. Now you may not have known the person. I know we're talking about funerals as such, but you know, really the bigger discussion we're talking about, how do we see death? And I think
1: we see it. We can come to that now and have a look at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So I know that at the rest of our team, um, Brenton, you know, tomorrow we've got. Marty and Gary, they're going to be talking about how Jesus related to death. And so each of our team kind of, kind of going to take a different kind of angle of how we look at this idea of death. But I think what I'd like to maybe uh, have our listeners come, what we might want to uh, talk around is, you know, what does the Bible, you know, did God actually create death, Brenton? Mm. Um, Sure. You know, what, has death always existed? You know, was this, and if there is a being called God, was it always part of his plan? So. And I know that some of these answers are, I guess, in those first couple of chapters in the Bible, in they Genesis. Are. We can share them. Yeah. Well, so why don't you, um, share with our listeners a, a well, do bit I about that? It
1: a little bit yeah, go ahead. It. First, the first thing that needs to be said is in Genesis chapter one, and I'll try and again be, um, as succinct as I can will. Yeah. In Genesis one, we have the story of creation, the six days of creation. And after each day, it says God saw what he had made and behold, it was, it was good. good. Yes. However, when we come to the very last verse, it says at the end of day six that God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. Yeah. Now, this, this uh, statement is interesting because then you come to chapter two and I'm going to read the first verse. Thus, the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God rested from his work, which he had done. Now, what you have here is a perfect creation. You cannot use the word finished in the Hebrew, and you cannot use the word very good. If you look at the Hebrew connotations of those, it talks about something that is perfect. God didn't need to improve on what he'd done. Yep. Mankind, animals, fish. Birds, the lot. They fulfilled the function for which right. he he uh, created them in the first place. This is interesting because this therefore does not excuse mankind for in chapter 3 going into sin okay. because you have a perfect world. So what, did God create death? The simple answer is no, God did not create death. But let me go to chapter 2 where, <coughs> again, Moses is... Um, who we believe wrote the book, says this. um, In verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So mankind had a job to do. Right. Even in Eden. And that job, um, the word tend or keep is a rather interesting word. I was looking up the Hebrew of it. It means to protect, to look after, to preserve, <coughs> to cause, to flourish. Right. And um, in the very next verse, God said to him, you may eat, using a positive term to Adam and Eve, you may eat the fruit of any tree of the garden. However, you must not eat the fruit Of the tree of knowledge of good Good and and evil. Evil. Okay, I think most people, most of our listeners would know that. But what's interesting about this is it starts with a positive, it goes to a negative, and basically the result is that God says, if you eat the fruit, what will happen to you? Yeah, you will surely die. You will surely die. Now... This is where I wished I'd been around when uh, when uh, Moses wrote this book because he could have said something like this. He could have said, "Oh, by the way, <coughs> God had explained to Adam and Eve what death was, right because here is the first time in the whole scripture that you find the word death mentioned, okay and then in chapter three, of course, when the Talking Serpent. Allah, Satan using the talking serpent comes along. (laughs) What does he say to Eve? He says, did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any tree? And what's her answer? Her answer is uh, the woman said, you may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die <laughs> there's a, supple, a subtle change here yep. God said in chapter 2 if you eat the fruit you'll die right she's saying um, God did say yes yes God did say that if we eat of it uh, we must not touch it or eat of it lest you die there's almost an insinuation of did God really mean right. it right and furthermore what does death actually mean yep. so simple answer did God create death no mm. when did death come into being when sin came in okay um Then at the end of the, the uh, verse, or at the end of the chapter, God says to them, after they have sinned, he says this. Oh, dear. He says, in the sweat of your face, verse 19, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Again, I ask myself yeah. the question, maybe you have too. The question is, had God told them beforehand that they were created out of the earth and he breathed into their nostrils the breath of life? I don't know. We don't know that. Yeah. Um, one could assume that he has told them, but certainly they're very clear on it now. He's saying to them, you were taken out of the dust of the ground and that's where you're going back to. But God in mercy didn't destroy them right. there and then, because we know in verse 15, he was told that there would be enmity between there and the woman am not going to encroach on what else is said during the rest of this week. Yeah. But basically, <coughs> all of these things together, sin came about. God, God did not create um, death. He did not create sin. Because of freedom of choice, Uh, They exercised their freedom of choice wrongly. The end result of exercising that freedom of choice and sinning was death because we know Romans 6.23 says what? The wages of sin is death, death. but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So the simple answer to all those questions is God did not create this. Sin brought death, and the author of death in Hebrews 2.14 is called the devil. Right. Christ came to destroy the devil, who was um, the, um, shall we say, the author of sin. I don't know whether the devil realized when he rebelled in heaven that along with all the other things he brought along with him, he also brought death into yeah. God's creation. So
0: just to recap, because we're going to go to a break now, Brendan, yeah. You're saying, according to Scripture, the Bible... Does not say that God is the author of death, but rather it is the result of, I guess, mankind's misuse n- of willful the power of choice. Yes, mm. so using their power of choice and ultimately disobeying uh, God, and you know, in which led to death coming into this world. Um, so, hey, Brendan, you know, just before we go to the break, I like to. Um, when I think about the big picture of, of the Bible, I think of the three big themes of um, creation. Yes. And then there's the fall. Yeah. And then there's redemption. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think a little later in the week, uh, a couple of our presenters are going to talk about the resurrection, which I think that's the better part of this conversation. Okay, there's death. This was not part of God's plan, but then you've got, what does God do? How does he solve how does he answer the, the the question of sin and death Absolutely. and suffering in our world? But that's uh, for a little later on in the week. <laughs> so, um, hey, Brendan, we're going to have to go to a break, and then I'd love for you to continue on um, your your conversation with our listeners uh, today. We want to promote our free book offer just one more time in our show today. Our free book offer that's along the lines of our theme for this week, which is um, the, talking about... Uh, Beyond the Grave, the Passing of Death. The title of this book is The First Lie, and it's written by an author, Barbara Weimer. And uh, Barbara Weimer's journey through the scriptures and the writing of this book occurred uh, back in 2005, uh, a number of years ago, when she actually lost her daughter, Kelly, in a Mm. college dorm fire. And so you can really already see that, hey, this book is really a response to some of the grief and the pain that, uh, Barbara was experiencing. And she's come to find hope in the scriptures. She's got a chapter here on powerful words. She got a chapter here, the hope of the resurrection, a chapter here on the problem with hell, choosing to trust the Bible. Hey, we want to give this resources, resource to you, a free book offer. If you'd like a free, if you'd like this free book, all you need to do is text the code SA119 to our number in the studio, 80811. Uh, one more time, the code is SA119 to the number here, 0488880811. And uh, you will hear from our friendly uh, automated bot who will get your details and we'll get that book out to you as soon as we can. Sounds good. So please don't go away. We've got a song. We'll be right back. You're listening to Faith FM, Drive Time, BQ&A. was I Am Convinced by Anna Beaton. You are listening to Faith FM Drive Time bq a with myself, Will, and Brenton in the studio. We're live from South Australia. If you're just tuning in, we are just on the tail end of our program today. Yeah. We're looking at the topic of beyond the grave, the passing of death. And today, Brenton and I, we've been having a discussion about this idea of how do we and how do pastors view death? We've been sharing stories. We've been sharing about the rawness of some of the funerals yes. that um, Brenton has conducted. Uh, we've looked at uh, Genesis 1 and the opening chapters of the Bible about, um, about how death actually came to be in our world and in our current existence. So, Brenton, in the few minutes we got remaining, um, walk us through about this idea of, of how we as pastors uh,
1: view death. Well, one of the things that we use um, usually around a graveside is, um, and as recently as a couple of weeks ago, we, um, I was able to use this text up in uh, Uddnadada as we laid a certain gentleman to rest. Uh, there's First Thessalonians four thirteen to seventeen. You and I both know yeah. it well. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Yes. I'm not going to go through it because I don't want to encroach on what's being said during the rest of the week. Yes. I would say this. We need to read in in reading that section, we also need to read verse 18, which simply says, comfort one another with these words. Yeah. A minister's responsibility, I believe, in, in dealing with the subject of death and helping those who are grieving um, one of the things I think will that we discussed off air, yeah. uh, which I think is important for those who are listening to us today to take on board, a minister doesn't have all the answers. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I've learned personally is the phrase, I know how you feel, is often not very helpful. Yeah. Because you don't really know how the person feels. Say, for instance, you've lost a loved one to cancer. You've watched them suffer for years and they finally died in agony. And the person you're burying has gone, got, um, had the same experience. The family, you can say, I understand, um, how this must hurt, but you don't understand exactly how they feel. Yeah. Because everyone relates to the loss of a loved one, particularly someone who's suffered, um, different. Now, Adam and Eve, they had their first example of death in Chapter 4 when they found the lifeless body of Abel who had been killed by his brother. And then in Chapter 5, it says, And Adam lived 930 years and he died. So now we're starting to touch on, well, Adam's no longer here. He's he's dead. But I think in rounding all this together, we need to look at how God created man. When we go back to Genesis 2, it says that man was created from the dust of the ground and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man Man. became a living soul. He was not a living soul. He became a living soul. He does not have some sort of entity called the soul. The combination of the body plus the breath of life is what the Bible teaches. (laughs) And I think this is actually very important because... When Jesus uh, rose again, and I'm sure that that will be touched on tomorrow and in future days, if Christ had never risen from the dead, I think Paul tells us we are of all men most miserable. And I think what we want to leave with our listeners today is we're not of all men most miserable. Yeah. We're of all men most hopeful because of what Christ did, yeah. because of the fact that he rose from the yeah. dead.
0: I think for me, Brennan, a couple of things that I want to uh, share sure, with our listeners as.
1: Sure. Uh, I think when,
0: when we think of um, death, I guess, within a, from a professional, I guess, uh, serving as, as ministers, as pastors, yes, yes. I think when we conduct a funeral service, when we go and visit a home where they've lost a loved one, um, it really, the reality hits home, doesn't it? That it does. About that death being part of this life, and, yes. and not just part of this life as we know, it, but this is not actually God's ideal. God never, as you correctly pointed out in Genesis, that God never intended for us to experience death. No. So not there is some that would say, you know, death is part of life. And we would like to say, well, it's part of this broken world in which we live in. This, yes. The world that we currently experience today, which is not um, not the way God had designed it. You know, I remember I was talking just before the break, we talked about... Um, I like, I see this big picture of scripture. You've got creation. You've got the fall and redemption, I guess, in general terms. Mm -hmm. But when you look at that first notion of creation, uh, Brennan, we see God's ideal made in the image of God, created to live, you know, in the garden, there was the tree of life. There was Adam and Eve. God had provided this perfect environment for them to to live and experience life with God and with one another, and we see how sin has actually um, broken that um, yeah. that ideal that God had. But I can't wait because I know that our presenters in the in the rest of the week, they're going to unpack going the, to touch on the things, resurrection yeah. and so sure, forth. Sure. So I guess what my closing comments is, um, when we deal with, uh, with uh, how do we view death um, we're reminded that it's part of the the sinful world that we, you and I experience and our listeners experience because um death reminds us of of this brokenness that mm. we experience. Mm. Mm. Um, I also like to point out uh, to our listeners that, uh, again, it's almost an extension of the first point is that death is not it's normal. We will never really
1: come to a place where we are okay with dying. I mean, I don't think it's, so. I don't think you ever really yeah. come to the place where you say I'm quite cool with death. Yeah, That's that's the way it yeah. is. No you don't because everyone dies in a different way. Yes they all die but some of them die in agony, some of them die peacefully, yeah. some of them die in a car accident some get eaten by a shark like this poor yeah. beggar yesterday on the west coast Right. so on and so forth. Um, um, some deaths are violent deaths yeah. some are peaceful deaths. But I, I think one of the things you and I discussed off air that I thought was good was in Genesis 2, it said right at the, begin- at the beginning of chapter 2, verse 1, it said, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. Yeah. You remember on the cross before Christ died, what was his last words? It is, it is finished. finished. You go to the book of Revelation and as the, uh, shall we say, the intercession of Christ in the heavenly sanctuary ceases and he's about to come to claim his people, what is stated, right. it is finished. Right. Three times in Scripture you get the words, it is finished. Genesis, John chapter 19, verse 30, and also Revelation. Wow. Uh, I think what we can leave with our, our viewers is that death is not the end. We've touched on where death came from, but we've also touched on the fact that Christ came to destroy death. Yeah. So the good news is that um, as we go through the rest of the week and unpack this a bit more, uh, we as ministers – can have that hope ourselves, and if we have that hope, we're able to share that hope with those who are grieving. Even those who don't believe in God, you can encourage them to explore the Word of God for themselves and find out that there is a life giver and that uh, he died and that he rose again, and because of that, he has the keys of death and of hell. And as I say, all of this will be touched on, I'm sure, in greater detail during the next few days. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing with our listeners
0: today, uh, Brenton. And uh, it's always great to to serve alongside you and, and actually in our studio here today for the first time. So thank you for that privilege. Um, so Fine to our pleasure. listeners, um, we thank you for tuning in wherever you've tuned on, tuned in from, whether you've tuned in from here, regional South Australia or across the country. We do really appreciate your support for Faith FM drive time, BQ and A. We do. Just a quick heads up on our program tomorrow. We've got Marty and Gary. Um, they're going to be looking at the topic. How did Christ relate to death? And so they're going to be looking at this, this idea about Jesus. How did Jesus actually relate to the subject of death? And so we know that you will enjoy our, our fellas, Gary and Marty, as they share tomorrow here on drive time, big Q and A. And so. Please tune in for tomorrow's program and the rest of the week. Um, We hope to catch you online. If you miss our live show, please also go to faithfm.com.au for all past episodes. Not just our program, but we have a bunch of different programs, and I'm sure there's one uh, there just for you. And so, Brennan, it looks like our time's up for today. And so to our (laughs) listeners, again, please join us tomorrow, Marty and Gary, as they look at the topic of Jesus and how he related to death. But until then... We want to leave you with the promise of the words of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. He tells us in the Gospel of John, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. May God richly bless you and we'll see you next time.